first and foremost, we're going to try to stay on top of our studies, you know, make sure that, that we're all getting uh, as good a grades as we can, you know, having study hall and hitting the books. And then we're going to, we're going to try and play a couple games once we get out of our quarantine for the first day, day and a half and uh, try to have some fun with it. I know we talked about a couple things like hide and go seek uh, throughout the entire hall or laser tag or Mario Kart, whatever it is. I know we're going we're to have some pretty crazy ideas and we're going to have fun with it. It's Alex Barcelo right there. How do you kill time before the NCAA tournament when you're sitting in Indy day after day? DJ PK brought to you in part by the store. Store has grab-and-go meals and hundreds of local products. The store has two locations in Holiday at 6200 South, 2050 East, and at the Gateway Mall in downtown Salt Lake City. That's the store. Killing time, PK. What do you do? Because the Aggies and Cougars have had a lot of time to kill, and they've got more time to kill. I didn't go seek, huh? That's old school right there. That takes you back eight years old, elementary school. Bunch of kids in the neighborhood. Big range of ages. That's the that's the one game everybody can play. Did you play it? Oh yeah. Tons of times. Tons of times. Tons of times. You gotta think how many kids there were. Uh, there were probably about ten kids in our cul-de-sac, and that's someone didn't have a friend over or someone didn't come over from somewhere else in the neighborhood. But just ten kids on that cul-de-sac, and yeah, we played many summer nights hide and go seek. Absolutely, or variations there of cul-de-sac. Yep, Pika, I grew up in a cul-de-sac too. At the edge of, at the edge of town. Mine was kind of the middle of the town, but you know, nobody, nobody to the south. Nobody the East. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know what a cul-de-sac was until I moved to Arizona. Jersey, was it all yeah, a grid? I wouldn't have figured that Jersey had many cul-de-sacs. No, I, I literally had never heard of it until I was 14 years old. Is it more a Western Sunbelt thing? As people lay out whole neighborhoods instead of building one at a time? I, I would assume so. Yeah. Because I had never seen one, and I didn't. Even, when I first heard that word, I didn't know what it was. And somebody yeah. saw it's like a circle. Yeah, in a street. I said, "Oh, okay." You get, but I literally never had heard of so that when, word. When you build it, when you build on a big chunk of land, you get more homes and you make more money. They put dead end streets in them. Because my aunt and uncle grew up in one in, and lived when I was growing up. They lived in an older neighborhood in National City, and they didn't have cul de sacs, and people just bought one lot. But the streets, you know, there were long streets that went through, and, and there, but there were no cul-de-sacs around where they were. But that was that neighborhood was like thirty or forty years older, and so. that's desirable—a cul-de-sac. Um, I guess, yes, yeah. I mean, were, you guess you don't have traffic not, in there. Yes, yeah. absolutely, it is. Yeah, but you it's harder. But kids? it's but it's harder to get in and out of. But you're right. As far I, as no, the less not. traffic, that's possible. Oh yeah. No, it's, <laughs> I got one right around the corner. It's no big deal. It was harder for it was harder for us to get in and out. You blocked in by the swap meet, but that's another story. <laughs> Don't share it. I'm not. <laughs> so yes, we played lots of hide and go seek because there were kids that the ten kids ranged in ages by probably like six years. You know, it's there. I mean, what are you going to play that everyone can do? Everybody's out. That was the game. That was it. A spin the bottle. No. Did you ever play spin the bottle? Not at eight. 
Does that mean you played spin the bottle? Yes, once when I was 13. 12. <laughs> 13? 13, I think. I don't know. Junior high. Who, who, who was in the uh, circle? Oh, no, now you want to hear that story. You didn't want to hear the last two stories. No, we want to hear this one, though. <laughs> Nobody you would know. <laughs> Obviously no one random I would Random kids from San Diego. I'll just make up a name. <laughs> well, I mean, if it was an older woman, I mean, my next across the street, Gail. Oh, I won't give you her last name because somebody will go on Facebook and look her up because she is on Facebook. Uh, let me let me just tell you. Oh, fat bottom girls, you make the rockin' world go round. We were killing time. <laughs> That's. <laughs> Did you play hide-and-seek in Jersey or no? Alex Barcelo clearly did. It's on his list. With ammunition. Oh, PK. <laughs> I haven't played paintball. It looks like fun. I haven't done that. It can hurt. Oh, really? It can leave some pretty nasty welts. If you're too close? Yeah. How close is too close? Like if you're in like 10 feet, then it hurts. Uh, yeah, you can have an open wound from that. If you're at 50 feet, does it hurt? No, it's not as bad. Yeah, but it's also more difficult to be hit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Accuracy goes down the further out you get. I've done the laser tag thing. That was pretty good. I don't, I don't think they're going to be able to laser tag in Indianapolis. Because they can't go out, so they're going to right. have to just do it whatever available in the hotel, right? I would think. Yeah. I mean, I'm I think sure there's some real. rentable laser tag gear that they could deliver to the hotel. and I suppose. Have fun. Could you I imagine mean, a bunch of BYU basketball players? Those crazy cougars. Video games. I guess today they can watch tournament games. They'll probably yeah. all watch UCLA, Michigan State. Oh, playing sure. them. Yeah, so that that's the easy part to figure out. Oh, they're getting to the end of the the time period. There yeah. was a time, uh, and these guys get bored. I mean, I've been there. You, you get really bored. Years ago, Majerus was playing. He took his team to play Wake Forest. It's a big game because I think then Wake Forest the next year came out and played on New Year's Eve, or maybe Wake Forest came out first, played on New Year's Eve when Van Horn was a senior. So probably they went when Van Horn was a junior. I think that's what it was, yeah. And they played over Christmas break, and it was on a Thursday. And Majerus, because just face it, man, he didn't have much of a life outside of basketball in the season anyway. And he took the players there on Thursday, or excuse me, on Sunday. So the game's Thursday. He takes them there on Sunday, right? So I check in Wednesday, the hotel, because uh, the game's Thursday, and I check in. But So they'd already been there f- for four days, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, third Wednesday, yeah. So I check in, and off to my left is a ping-pong table, and I see – Drew Hansen and Mike Doliak playing ping pong, and they they barely are hitting it, and they're like they're not even paying attention to what they're doing, and they look so bored. And I say, <laughs> "Hey guys, what's going on?" And they just like, "Oh man, we've been here since Sunday." <laughs> <laughs> now this is not like being in the, uh, for the Maui Invitational. <laughs> it's, they were so freaking bored. I mean, I just I can still remember these guys just barely being able to hit the ball because they were just so frustrated having having to be there so stinking early. They were going out of their minds. It was just mind-numbing. Because school's over too, right? Because you're in between the semesters. So you don't even have any schoolwork to catch up on. <laughs> so, like Barcelo said, schoolwork. 
because they still have uh, we probably got a month or so left in the semester, maybe a little bit longer. So I get that you could do some of that stuff, but those guys were just it was. I felt bad for them; they were so bored, and there was no need to leave so early. But that's what he wanted to do. So I would think to this point, these guys got to be going a little stir crazy. Uh, Greg D says, search out the Iona rooms. Rick Pitino always throws the best parties. Oh, that's decent. That's a good line. <laughs> like that? Nice pull. <laughs> Honor code violations everywhere. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Honor code violation just walking down the hallway past it. And some of the stuff that happens, of course, Patino has no knowledge of it. Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know what happens with my assistant coaches who are entertaining recruits that I'm trying to sign. <laughs> Riley, Riley says, I don't even have a response to this. What a freaking odd question, David. <laughs> I put it yeah, out on Twitter. So they it's, think it's real. Me. It's what they said. I oh, mean, yeah, absolutely. brought it up. I mean, I would assume that they are just – somebody's got the PlayStation and video games. I mean, Joe always talks about how even though they're – they all have to stay in their own rooms because they're worried about contact tracing, so you can't even hang out with your teammates. If your teammates test positive, then even if you're not sick, you're out for a few days. So, But he says they play video games between rooms. I mean, it's, you know, binge watch. Scott, Scott Pageant, the former, uh, former jazz player, had encyclopedic knowledge of all movies because that was how he killed time. Just one movie after another. You literally couldn't ask him about a movie without him knowing about it. Yeah, but I don't think they had this. The NBA players have this level of time because they're on the go. They're moving from city to city, mm-hmm. so uh, that eats up some time. Yeah. It's significantly. I mean, we talked to talk to him because I knew that flight from San Francisco to Boston would just be mind-numbing for those guys. Yeah, they and do a lot Joe of flying. That it was. They do a lot of flying, but if you're on the Jazz, you're not doing a lot of coast-to-coast trips. You know, if you're if you're a California team, you might have to start an East Coast trip. Uh, you know, in a Boston or New York or something, so you might have those coast-to-coast, or you end it and you have one coming back. But for the Jazz, you would think the longest flight they have is two-thirds of the country. This was a rarity for them. Yeah, that was highly unusual to start a five-game road trip literally as far as you can go on the west and then as far as you can go on the east. They don't do that in normal seasons. I really thought that was COVID scheduling. They're just wedging games in. But they're they're constantly moving. Like, uh, they'll go – tonight and then they'll take off tonight and go down to Tampa to play the Raptors, which makes sense. Play the Toronto Raptors in Tampa. Of course you would. And so they don't have as much time. These guys at the college level, this whole week is just a massive level of boredom. Now it'll get less if you win because then you have a a one-day turnaround and then we'll have to hear about if BYU wins, how they don't practice on Sunday. And they may not get out on the practice court, but to think they're just going to be reading their Book of Mormons on Sunday all day long, I call BS on that. (laughs) Not buying it. There'll be some video. (laughs) Well, it was a long time ago now, but Bronco used to hand out uh, DVDs. Old school technology. DVDs are now old school. Hand out uh, DVDs of the opponent on Saturday as guys left the locker room. Uh, They would, yeah. They they didn't practice on Sunday, and they didn't meet on Sunday, but I'm assuming some guys... Put that DVD in and looked at it. Well, yeah, the coaches did their thing. If you went by, yeah. they, they did. And that's something that I'll never quite understand. But as I sat there and flew with church uh, BYU officials on Sundays, that, that's kind of a gray area. But nevertheless, that's what the... I think this is why the phrase, it is what it is, was invented. It is what it is. Uh, I don't know what... I don't, I, whatever. They can do whatever they want. 
but no worry about that if they should win. Uh, and I think the coaches, they've got some time to kill that they can prepare on their own, prepare to prepare to play if you should win the first game. But they're probably going to have a dogfight in that first game, so uh, we'll worry about that if it comes to that on Sunday. Tricky but, T you know, says they should watch every basketball movie known to man. How many basketball movies have been made? Basketball movies? Space Jam. Space Jam? Is that what we're talking about? Space Jam, Eddie. Well, Hoosiers, obviously. Hoosiers, The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh, an old Dr. J movie. Are we about done? Four? Uh, didn't, uh, there was one, I had some friends. Uh, old college roommate was in a movie. They had some extras. He lived out in the valley, San Fernando Valley. And... Uh, they had uh, they needed some people in the bleachers, so he he had his it was it wasn't his girlfriend it was kind of his girlfriend, and she was in acting. She was a uh, played in Happy Days when Fonzie would snap his fingers and the girls would run. She was one of them, right? So anyway, he she got him in to a crowd scene. I want to it was with Gabe. What what was that? The the Cotter guy. What's Gabe his last Kaplan? Name? Yeah. Was it like Fast Break or something? Don't know. Never heard of it. Time, yeah. time for the Google machine to go to work. He and he, and he told me that they, they needed some people in the bleachers to cheer and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and Fast so Break, he, 1979. There you go. He got to do that, uh, and he told me about it. I don't remember a jack about the movie, but I don't, no. the only reason I know is because my roommate in college was in it. So... <laughs> That's how I remember. I don't remember the movie, so it's a basketball. But I think it was it was based around a premise of basketball. And then isn't there some of like uh, Coach Carter, uh, where he goes into inner city yeah, school? Coach and Carter with um, gives him discipline and all that stuff. Samuel L. It's Jackson. based around basketball. Yeah, it's based around basketball, right? Yep. I left out semi-pro. Yeah. How could I? Oh, Will Ferrell, man. Yeah. What What is wrong with me? The ABA. The Flint Tropics. Well, here's a list of the 20 best basketball movies ever made. So just because I can only list uh, five or six of them doesn't mean that there aren't way more. So there it is. White Men Can't Jump. I left that one out. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Celtic Pride. Isn't that where the Jazz get beat by the Celtics in the finals? Yep. Yeah, see, there's more basketball movies. What's the one Billy Crystal? Wasn't he a referee? Forget Paris. I forget the name. Is that the name? I think. I'm not sure. I don't know. I couldn't tell you the name. I yeah. wouldn't be able to recognize it. But I, didn't he play like a referee or something? Yes, he did. You ever hear of Cornbread Earl and Me? Stars Jamal Wilkes, the former Laker, no. the UCLA Bruin, the Santa Barbara Don. Oh, Finding Forrester had a bunch of basketball in it. I don't know there was a basketball movie. See, then you can get into the where there's basketball in it, but it's not really a basketball movie. Was it Sean Connery? That was pretty good. Glory Road. We forgot Glory Road. Don oh, Haskins. absolutely. Yeah. Oh, Texas Western, story, yeah. 1966. Yeah. 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 And Samuel L. Jackson and anything. Coach Carter, sure. Well, anything except snakes on a plane. But anything other than that, then Samuel L. Jackson. What about the mother bleeping what? <laughs> he got game. You're a big Denzel guy, right? Of course, like most of America. That's why he's got all these. He got that's, game, all, yeah. that's why he's got all these hundred Denzel. million dollar films all over the place. He's box office. 
All right, Certainly so there it is. They got uh, they can watch the basketball movies and kill some time before they watch UCLA and Michigan State tonight. I, I just can't see them playing hide and go seek though <laughs> in a hotel. <laughs> Seems limited options. You'd have to run down the hallway. I was gonna say, I mean, how, where could harms possibly hide? <laughs> well, yeah, but like key cards to get into rooms to hide and that ain't gonna work. I mean, he's seven feet three. You can't hide. Well, in the old neighborhood, he could uh, he could hide behind some trees. You play after Oak dark, trees? it got dark enough, you could literally lay in the grass and people could walk by, on a dark, day, oh, a dark night. Okay. People could walk within 15 feet of you and not know you were there. There was no way your mother, Tanisha James, was letting you out after dark. Get Absolutely. No, nobody buys you're, that. You're Sorry. wrong. You're wrong. You, have no. No, you don't know what you're talking about. Tanisha would let you out? A, that's not my mother's Unsupervised? name. Unsupervised? A, that's not my mother's name. <laughs> Okay, Althea would leave B, you out. B, there were plenty of summer <laughs> nights we were out after dark. I don't know. I mean, you Kanisha would leave you out after dark. You constructed a nice slash bizarre <laughs> slash fantasy background story for me, which has been entertaining radio at times. So I've just rolled with it. But <laughs> yes. yes, she would let Dave Boy stay out that late. Oh, no, not way. not just me. She'd let. I, I, I had brothers two and four years younger than me. So, yeah, four years younger than me. Yeah, yeah but you had was, to look after them. She that's put a true you in story. Charge. That's a true story. That's why story. you have this A personality where you have to take over everything at all times. Probably. That's, it's probably that's some, obvious. Some, probably some truth to that. You were in charge yeah. of uh, Al Boy and Eric Boy. I can give you boring stories about that. I got in trouble on consecutive Saturday mornings. Once because I, <laughs> once because I got in, Dad just came out just screaming and yelling. He was so mad. Oh, my gosh. Saturday morning. How do you get in trouble Saturday morning? It was easy. My younger brothers <laughs> fought all the time, and I was trying to break it up because I knew I was going to get in trouble because I was the oldest and I was in charge, like you said. Dad came out, you're the oldest. You should have broken it. I mean, and I, you, I said I was trying to break it up. Bubba, you, you were making the noise, too. You're in trouble. So the next week, they got into it again, scrapping over nothing just because they fought all the time. And so I just sat on the sofa, folded my arms, and didn't, make a, didn't say a word. I was sitting there watching, I don't know, whatever cartoon was on. Uh, and I'm, I'm serious. I'm like seven or eight. I'm, I'm a, oh, I'm I would have put you at 16. And I didn't say a word. And dad comes out. <laughs> He's like, you're the oldest. You should have broken him up. I got in trouble for breaking him up last week. Hard to believe. Oh, me. you snapped back? I did. And I got in trouble for that, too. <laughs> well, no wonder why you had the contentious relationship with Freddie J. No, no doubt about that. <laughs> started, it started early. <laughs> Thank goodness for sports, man. That's where we bonded. That's where we all was on the same page. Well, so sports the, and women, obviously. That's where the tension, uh, actually, that's true. <laughs> I could tell you a story about that, too, that it cracked oh, up. Oh, please do. Yak will go crazy. <laughs> Yak's already laughing. He hasn't even heard the story. I'll save it for the break. DJ and PK, when we come back, Craig Bullerjack. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. March Madness is here, and now it's time to put that college basketball knowledge to the test. It's the Zone Bracket Challenge, where you can compete against the Zone hosts as well as Zone listeners. Oh my goodness! Log on now to 1280zonebracket.com to fill out your bracket for a chance to win a Nordic Track X22i bike. Valued at over $2,000 as well as other great prices. It's the Zone Bracket Challenge, going on now at 1280zonebracket.com. Presented by The Store, SNS Roofing, Bullfrog Spas, and Elite Works. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 Zone. Time to welcome in Craig Bowlerjack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz. Bowler, good morning. Hey, DJ, PK, what's up? 
Uh, many things are up. One of them, of course, is the NCAA tournament. And Alex Barcelo uh, talking about killing time for a week leading up to the tournament mentioned uh, the possibility of playing hide-and-go-seek. And PK has been doing the hard-hitting radio journalism of getting me to tell hide-and-go-seek stories from my childhood. I'm assuming as an all-American, red-blooded male from the heartland, from Kansas City, that you have played hours of hide-and-go-seek. Oh, hours, you guys. Oh, my gosh. We called them. not. We went outside and did what was night games, as we called it. Pitch black, and um, it was always like in the summer, and you were sweating with the high humidity of Kansas. Um, yeah, yeah. There were a few tumbles I took, too, because what happens in the night, you don't see clotheslines or gutters uh, coming <laughs> off homes. And I did a couple of, I did a couple of cartwheels in my day for sure. Yeah, <laughs> you're on the injured list. You're you're oh. like Mike Conley. You can't go back to back. Oh, the, you know what? I haven't thought about uh, hide and seek forever. But oh yeah, yeah, it was big. It was kind of a neighborhood thing. If you made the call or you you know sent somebody out in those days, it was like okay, the word spread. Everybody came out until you heard uh, a mother or a father honk a horn or uh, say, "Time to come in." And everybody said, "Oh, come on, another ten minutes." One of those things. It was it was fun. Well, you're not doing it this year, but obviously many years as an adult, though traveling with the Jazz from uh, all these games that you play, and it's a, it's a pretty uh, tough travel schedule. How how do you kill time then? Oh my gosh, you know. It was kind of, you know, at night it was like venture out, and we always tried new restaurants. It was kind of our own game of finding new places, or if we found the spot that we would return, and like St. Elmo's, you know, uh, that was uh, a place that we'd go, and uh, Colvine just comes to mind in, in Dallas. It was a pizza place, and it was, they always had these really interesting combinations unlike you know the other call-in pizza places this was kind of more of a gourmet place it was kind of cool to try different stuff and that that was on the menu but yeah it was kind of a dinner thing at night and then during the day it started off with a bus ride to to shoot around come back to have a production meeting and then i just kind of hung in my room and just went through game notes prep notes uh my chart and before you knew it the early bus was there, and you just repeat, repeat, rinse and repeat um, on the road. There wasn't a lot of, you know, a lot of different things, PK, that you did. Um, it was, uh, was, you know, was he called living in a in a tube, you know, plane, bus, hotel, arena, bus, plane, hotel, arena. That's kind of the way it went. But uh, it was still good because what we're missing this year actually is having the chance to have those one-on-ones with players uh, going to shoot around, sitting and talking after they, you know, they're done. Quinn has his media, uh, local and, and traveling, you know, beat writers. And so you miss the one-on-ones. All we're doing now is living by Zoom. And uh, I just miss the interaction, you know, the one-on-one interaction. So Conley is out. I'm assuming that this is the rest of the season. He's not playing back-to-backs. They want to keep him healthy for the playoffs. Right. They don't want to have him out for a run of two or three weeks. But I don't think it's anything to be worried about either. That's what you're thinking? Yeah, absolutely. I think this is just the plan. They call it injury management. Um, and just to keep him healthy, there's a lot. If you look at the schedule, there's you know several, if not on the top of my head, at least another four 
I think this is the four or five sets of back-to-backs. There are there are two games, I believe, two sets of games that have a day off in between. But next week it's Memphis back-to-back. The Lakers series in April actually has a day off in L.A. between those two games. So maybe he plays both. We'll have to wait and see. But I'm guessing the way the schedule is, it's every other day, uh, basically. This weekend, a rare Saturday-Sunday off on the road, by the way. So you get some rest and probably one practice in before you you play Chicago on Monday then come back home. But after you get through this five-game road trip and you look at the schedule, it's it's pretty much balances back into the favor of the Jazz uh, with, with home games. There's a few more you jump out on the road for a couple. But um, this is the last East Coast road trip. I think there's a stop in Memphis. But other than that, it's um, they've gotten through – uh, a lot of a lot of travel prior to the uh, All Star break and right after what is it nine games uh, out of ten that they they've had, would have played on the road when it comes up Monday in Chicago. So we're talking about this earlier. I know that at this point Joe Ingles steps into starting lineup and he's playing well, and so he'll do what he does. Uh, I'm I'm wondering we've seen the Ioni kid come in and be the ninth man when one of the top nine are out. Well, now they got Ilyasova, and they brought right. him in as somewhat of his insurance policy. But you got to get him some time here. So if you need him for a bigger role in the postseason, he has his legs under him a little bit. Do you think that we see him tonight? You know, I don't have any insider info, but PK, I'll be honest. I think he's watched the two. I think this is a perfect time to put him on the floor. That's just me. Um, you know, he's a bigger guy. Uh, he's got. Uh, as you said, ability to defend. He's got a career 37% three-point shot. Uh, he spreads the floor. I think you have to respect him until he proves proves you're wrong. And obviously that opens space more for Donovan and just spacing on the floor. And Quinn says that all the time. You know, his offense and the way they play is about spacing. And I think he, uh, Arison Eliasova gives it jazz, I, I think, a really good ticket uh, in that regard. So I think probably – you know, I mean, Quinn said it himself. There's not a lot of practice time, so he probably would have to throw him in. I think that was the quote, throw him into the fire. And, you know, agreed. I mean, there's not a lot of time. And he's a vet. I mean, I'm sure he's sitting and watching and picking up how the Jazz do things, tendencies. But also, I remember, you know, when him playing against the Jazz, uh, he's he's been a very impactful player. This is his seventh NBA stop on the tour, and he's always been a pretty uh, impactful player. So no matter where he lands, he's played well. He's 33. But, PK, I think uh, maybe tonight's the night. I wouldn't be surprised. So Boston lost again after losing to the Jazz. They are now right at exactly at 500. That looked like a good win for the Jazz. It felt like a good win. and Everybody wants to say, ah, the Jazz are back on track. Do you think they're back on track after the the rough end before the All-Star break? And they gave away a big chunk of a big lead against Houston and looked bad for about 10 minutes doing it. And then the Golden State loss. So are they they back on track from all of that, or it's still to be determined? I think it's to be determined. I saw things I liked. Of course, slow start, trailed by 11, right? You get a 40-point fourth quarter. Impressive. So you put the game away. What I liked, and I think where Boston's going to struggle the rest of the way, is the bench. Look. You know, they've got uh, players that, uh, you know, in their starting lineups, and we know who they are, and Tatum and uh, and Brown, they both go, what, 28, nearly 30? So that's 60, nearly 60 points of their offense. But I didn't see much off their bench. The Jazz had a plus 24 in that category. 
You know what? The other thing, too, uh, the Jazz are getting to the free throw line, um, which is a good sign. You know, if you can get Donovan and Rudy there and Rudy making his free throws, at least they're showing more aggressive play and forcing the opponent, you know, to put a hand or a body on him. So, I don't know. I saw good things after the – I thought the first quarter was what, what's going on. I mean, you know, Boston came out and played like the Jazz have uh, before the All-Star break. And, you know, you, you lead by 11. But, you know, the Jazz don't panic, and I, I like that about them. I think the one thing is the consistency of Donovan – has to be better. I mean, he got the eight points in the fourth quarter, but, you know, it's kind of slow starts, and then you have to still wonder, PK and DJ, about bogey. Where is he? Uh, three of nine. You know, um, at times he looks timid. Uh, I think he's lost some confidence. But, you know, shooters come out of it, you know, and then they kind of come out of it like he has before. Then all of a sudden, all of a, sudden a shooter can go back into a slump. Um, you know, he's a powerful player. Maybe – like like Boone and 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 Matt and Thurl always say from former players' perspectives, when they struggled, they always started back inside, and then worked their way back out. So I don't know. I'm not giving advice, but those are just observations. I'm sure Bogey hasn't forgotten how to play. I think the turnovers have have kind of uh, taken away some of his confidence, and I think he's got to rebuild that. There's no doubt because it seems like teams have now. Uh, really zoned in on his ability when he starts to dribble into the paint and turns to his right. They're setting for him right there in the lane and picks his pocket about you know hip high, and that's been a problem. Live ball turnovers has been a big problem for the Jazz during this last uh, ten games. Yeah, especially early. You know the Warrior yeah. game, they had him right off the bat, and then the Boston game, and I'm watching that game. And, you know, just show you the dedication. It was my wedding anniversary, but we did watch the game. And my wife, we had some gifts that we brought. I said, well, i got to watch the game. And I, I texted this to DJ, you know, my wife, uh, hearkening back to our California days when we lived in Los Angeles and Chick Hearn. It was about four minutes to go. And she says, can we open the gifts now? And I said, no, the game's not over. She says, no, the butter's, the butter's hard already. <laughs> she quotes Chick Hearn. <laughs> so if you didn't live in Southern California to watch Chick, because there was no league pass in that day, he had this thing, whenever the Lakers had a lead and he thought it was over and there was no chance of a comeback, he'd say, this one is in the fridge. The door is closed, the lights are out, the eggs are cold, and the butter's getting hard. And he would say that every win in an era when they won sixty games a year. Yeah. Wow. So that was uh, so that and, and that Bowler statement he, came every night, every other night, practically or every night. three out of every yeah. four because yeah. he called yeah. every win. He would sometimes say it with like eight minutes left or the start of the fourth quarter because they're running somebody off the floor by thirty. But some nights he'd say it at a timeout with ten seconds left in a game. Because he didn't think it was over until yeah. right at the at the end, right? right and one end. one night bowler, and I'll never forget this. I had a station where I had to play the local commercials in the Laker Radio Network. It was my first paid job in radio, and they're playing the Nuggets in Denver, and they got like a twenty five point lead or something. They're just running them ragged, right? And so chick, you know, oh, this one's in the fridge. The doors closed. The lights are out. The eggs are cold. The butter's getting hard. And Denver, sure enough, with like the last six minutes, they go on this massive run. And they get within one with like, I don't know, 20 or 30 seconds to go, and they call timeout. The Lakers have a one-point lead, and Denver has the ball. And, uh, and I think 
I think Stu Lance was the color man, and was whoever it was was giving him a hard time. Like, Stu, you put this one away. You've never been wrong. But, boy, it's tense now. And Chick is, Chick's not backing down. He's Jersey. PK would have loved it. He's like, I'll tell you right now, if the Lakers lose this game after I put it in a fridge, I will walk back to L.A. Denver comes out of the timeout, inbounds the ball, scores with like 10 seconds left in the game. They take the lead. Timeout Lakers, they go to commercial break. I remember like it was yesterday. They come out from break, and the guys in the – well, actually, I think a woman directed the, the Laker broadcast in those days. But the people in the truck come back, and they have built a graphic, and it says 1,245 miles from Denver to L.A. <laughs> And, and the, the, the analyst, I think it's Stu, is just giving it to Chick. You've never been wrong. This is it. He says, I, and Chick isn't backing down. I'm still not wrong. Magic's going to have the ball. He doesn't say anything else. He just says, Magic's going to have the ball. Sure enough, Lakers give it to Magic. Magic makes the magic happen. They win the game. And he's like, there was never a doubt. I put it in the fridge. He didn't good. have to walk it the was miles. Good, it was good stick, and he had magic yeah. to back him up. So. Oh, absolutely, man. If you had that type of confidence, for sure. I was going to ask you, DJ, how much is that? Was that like a buck fifty an hour job back then? Um, it was minimum wage, whatever minimum was. I I want to say three fifty or something, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah it was nothing. It was two seven-hour shifts. On I had to work on Sunday and Monday nights, part-time. And the Good Lakers pocket. played every Sunday night, so it was awesome. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I didn't yeah. have cable. That was the only way you see the game on prime ticket, so. Good gig. Really good gig. Pocket money. Yep. Yep. I needed every buck. So, all right, Bowler. So, uh, you want to sit here now and predict they're going to sweep the trip, or that's the kind of confidence you lack? You're not sure the Jazz <laughs> oh, are back. Refrigerators. The refrigerators open. <laughs> yeah, close it, slam the refrigerator yeah, door three times off. before any yeah. of the games tip off. Oh, the thing is, gosh. none of these teams have great records. So, I mean, Toronto's no. better, and we assume that that's why they picked this game for Conley to miss. Right. They're better, but they're still under 500. Chicago, eh, eh. Well, you know, you look at uh, what, what uh, the Wizards have, and when healthy, I mean, the Westbrook-Beal combo is intriguing, right? But, um, you know, the bench is what I keep looking at, and there's not much there for the Wizards. You know, again, I, 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 you always warn that you can't overlook anyone in this league. They're all in the league for a reason, so you have to go out with – I think what the Jazz have to do the rest of the way, because all three games are definitely winnable uh, record-wise. Um, and I would think you go about your business and play your type of ball. Try to you've got to turn you've got to just trim the turnovers down. And it's not necessarily the the number PK you made the mention. It's it's when they happen. It's it's like two or three in a row, and all of a sudden, what is a three-point lead becomes you know you flip it by seven. Uh, you know, and that's what tends to really stifle the Jazz. And you go, not a, oh man, you took them out of the flow again. And they're just errant passes or steals that just turn into easy buckets because the Jazz transition defense, look, you, you can't get, you, you don't get back in time. And those are easy buckets on the other end. So, you know, if you can be consistent from three, play the D that you're known for and uh, stay away from turnovers. I know that sounds easy, right? <laughs> but, on the road, it's more difficult, but also the fans aren't around. And I, I think again this year, it's it's hard to tell every night, guys, because I, I really do believe the energy of the fans play a big part of of the road and and, and what happens at home for teams, uh, how you react on the road uh, when you hear when you make it when you have a turnover and you start to you have to dig yourself out. 
and find your own energy when the team, uh, you know, their fan base is yelling at you. But, you know, the bubble was odd. This is still odd. The Jazz do have fans back. Uh, hopefully as the season goes on and things start to hopefully improve, if they don't take a step back, you know, a, you know they'll allow a few more fans into the stands. We'll see how it works out. But uh, I think the Jazz can win all three. It's just a, it's a, it's just an, uh, the ability of, of having the confidence. I think they're trying to refine that, redefine that confidence after – the stumble before the all-star break. But, you know, even Shaq said it on TNT uh, a couple of nights ago. You know, he remembers when they went up and down in Miami. And I think it does It does happen. It's, it's hard to just make these runs uh, and, you know, go 20 of 21 in the win column. I mean, come on. It just doesn't happen often. And the Jazz have had a special year to this point. They stay healthy. I think the schedule starts to turn in their favor, especially with the home games, you know, on the way. Thanks, Bowler. We appreciate it. Okay, guys. No hide-and-go-seek, man. Your Achilles can't handle it. No night <laughs> no. games. I don't want you to no, blow out a knee. Your knees are tricky. I don't want to I don't want to hit uh, a, a rain gutter, man. I, I'm yeah. not in the mood for a cartwheel right now. There you go. Thanks, Bowler. <laughs> See you soon. All right. To Bowler's point, Chicago three games under five hundred. Toronto six games under. And tonight's opponent, the Wizards, 11 games under. Winnable games for the Jazz. We'll see if they get it rolling. They play the Wizards tonight at 5. The game is on AT&T Sportsnet. It's here on The Zone. Jazz game night, the pregame, starts at 4 o'clock. Mike Conley out due to hamstring management. Expect to see him back. It's back-to-back. Expect to see him in Tampa when they play Toronto. And Toronto's moved all their games there. That's their their home court for this year with the pandemic. All right, DJ and PK, coming up, we're going to talk NCAA tournament with Carlos Silva Jr. He covers the Texas Tech Red Raiders for the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. He joins us in 15 minutes, Aggie fans, gather around the radio. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Chris Dobertine, bracketologist. Give us a couple of teams that could win a couple of games and do some damage that maybe uh, nobody's talking about. I like that whole Creighton, Virginia, UC Santa Barbara, Ohio pod. Especially if Ohio can get out of that group, I think they can get past Virginia. I think Creighton's probably going to struggle with UC Santa Barbara. If they don't, different story because I think Creighton can really outshoot the Bobcats and it's going to be a little bit more of a different situation for them. I like USC's draw. I have USC going to the Elite Eight because Kansas is going to be a little shorthanded. And I think at some point, Iowa's defensive frailties are going to come back and bite them. And USC has enough talent, I think, to make it happen. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Mark Miller. DJ and PK in the morning brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. All right, PK. Just got a big dose of jazz right there. You heard everything Craig Bowlerjack had to say. Got anything to add, or is Bowler right on point? Not 100% sure the Jazz are all the way back in the groove. Encouraging in Boston. I'm glad they're not. Get better. Continue to progress. I, I, I don't want them to be back in the groove. We're still in March, and now we're, you know, we're approaching the end of March, but the season has been pushed back a month, so this is like being in somewhat about being in February. You know what I mean? So, so if they're why, in the groove, they can't stay in the groove. It's too long. Well, yeah, and I want them to get better. I, I do think that the early turnovers, I mean, what I was going to finish saying that, that was frustrating me in that Boston game with the early – the soft early turnovers that lets the other team that you're better than get basically free points mm-hmm. and get momentum and, and get 
just get feeling good about yourself. Yep. And the Jazz, and I'm sure they're aware of this. This is not uh, anything I'm telling them that they don't already know. But you've been the best record-wise. You're the best team in the league. We can debate over whether they are or not, blah, blah, blah. But we obviously, when we throw in record-wise – there is no debate. And they've held this position now, and you know, the Lakers have led them a injury, and Davis will be back. Fine, whatever. But they've been in this position now for a number of weeks, which means you have the opponent's full attention. The Warriors, I mean, they know they're probably not going to go anywhere this year, right? With Thompson out, Wiseman still needs to develop. I think they got somebody's who's they got somebody's pick coming up next season. So their time to get better is coming in the next couple of years. Well, why not have some fun and knock off these guys today on a Sunday afternoon? What else do we have to do? So they go ahead and do it, right? So the point being that they're going to be jacked up to play these guys. So it's going to require require increased intensity. Doesn't mean you're going to make your shots all the time, but don't have these what I'm terming as Sort of not lazy isn't really the word, but loose turnovers. Soft. To, soft, turnovers. soft is another good word to describe it. Yeah, just you're going to have turnovers. I get it. You know, you're going to have where you're making a play. I think I believe a charge is considered a turnover. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, in order to have a charge, you obviously are trying to make a play. So it's not a lazy, soft, loose turnover. So try to reduce those as much as possible. Because there's really no need for that stuff, and Bogdanovich has to pick it up a little bit more here. You know, it's just been a level of his consistency that doesn't match the consistency that he showed last season, and there's no reason why he can't show that as as to last season. And maybe he can't have the season that he had statistically last season because they've got other guys now. Royce has stepped up his game. I think Rudy stepped up his offensive game. Conley is back basically at full strength. Joel's playing well. Niang has given you more than he gave you last year. So you don't necessarily need Bogey to have the same stats as last year, but find a better level of consistency. Yes, and he's clearly not playing with confidence. Uh, I think he is the first guy who recognizes he's got to play better, but I think that leads to lack of confidence. And sometimes the lack of confidence leads to the problems. You know, you're a little indecisive on whether to pass, to shoot, to dribble, or whatever, and it just causes more problems than it snowballs. But I think you see the look on his face. He knows it. What he doesn't know is how to fix it right now. And hopefully over these next 30 games or so, he gets that part figured out. Yeah, yeah. Because they need him, regardless of what his, his stats are last season, or regardless of what his stats are this year, they need that level of confidence and performance in the playoffs for whatever opportunity he gets. You know, he's actually played well enough that depending on the lineup that's on the floor, he may be the guy that teams are bound and determined to take away, and the shots may go to somebody else. But when he gets his opportunity, you just want to see that level of of confidence and you know Quinn Snyder has said the decision you make to dribble pass or shoot not as important as the decision to make it quickly you know you got to have the confidence to know so the defense doesn't have a chance to get set again you hold the ball for two seconds they're set again you move right away they're still in the scramble and something good can happen for you when the defense is scrambling all right when we come back Carlos Silva Jr. covers the Texas Tech Red Raiders for the Lubbock Avalanche Journal and uh, I've been told the Texas Tech resembles a Mountain West team on steroids. Which Mountain West team? And does Carlos Silva Jr. see any of the comparisons? We will get to that next. Stay with us.